Good evening, Patriots. And it's Friday, December 2nd in the year 2022, which is awesome. And it is really an awesome day or has been an awesome day down here in Yuba City, which is equally cool. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and a whole bunch of other stuff that's kind of developed through the day. Oh, what can I say? The kids continue to be the focus for the deep state, and we have to continue to wage a counter war to protect them. It's pretty simple, but we'll get into all of that. Patriots, make sure that in this time as well, you have all of your food supplies up and ready, meaning stocked up. These nut jobs that are running this world are literally trying to create a food shortage, and they're doing so by many, many means, one of which is to not that the grocery stores are not paying the producers. And so they're forcing an, a shortage by, by design. So that's why we have Patriot Supply. Patriots, if you haven't heard, we're heading into the worst diesel fuel shortage in 70 years. And that's a big problem. Because if truckers can't get enough fuel, grocery stores could go empty. You need to stock up now on emergency food. Visit MyPatriotSupply.com and grab a special offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit with a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy. My Patriot Supply wants to help American families more by charging less. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Order enough to get your family through the difficult times ahead. At least one kit per person in your home. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab all the four-week kits you need. MyPatriotSupply.com Patriots, food is security, both mentally and spiritually. And the time to prepare is now. Oh, yeah, MyPatriotSupply.com. This is where you want to get the type of storage food that lasts for like 20 years on your shelf, which is awesome. So I don't know if you've heard this latest. Balenciaga continues to be in the news, which is good. But I just thought I'd mention this. Now, if you saw one of the of the photos from the Balenciaga photo shoot, they made what looked like a crime scene. And when you look at the crime scene tape, it actually has Balenciaga with two A's. So this is what comes about with this. If you add an A to Balenciaga, the brand, so it's B-A-A-L, Balenciaga, Balenciaga or Balenciaga, which is what it breaks down to. The Latin translation of that is Ball is King. Ball is a demon, of course. He's part of satanic ritual following. So once again, everything is in the open. In a closer examination of the White House Christmas display, on it's literally sitting on the mirror above the mantle where the wreath is. And the wreath actually has what could be two wings on the top of it like an eagle, or it could be two horns. I'm going to probably say it's two horns. Because above that frame of the mirror and the top of the frame is a ball carving. I mean, the proof just keeps rolling in, but take a listen to this piece. This comes from American horror story. And <laughs> literally in this scene, the last words of one of the witches before she is burned alive at the stake are none other than Balenciaga. Take a listen. Any last words? Yeah, she kind of goes up in flames, poor girl. Anyway, so you're starting to see that this thing wasn't an accident at all. None of this was an accident. And it's all, all of this is pre-programming and pre-conditioning. A term you need to become familiar with is what's called SRA. It's an acronym for Satanic Ritual Abuse, SRA. And it is very important to understand that this is a very common thing. 
I'm down here this week, last few days, I've been down here at Glad Tidings Church where they have a group of prayer counselors, uh, also known as their deliverance team, and a main body of their work is dealing with SRA, satanic ritual abuse. And I will tell you that it's real. I went through a session with them today as a, in assistance with a young girl. And I'll give you some of those details in a minute as much as I can. But, um, Patriots, this is very real stuff. I just want you to understand this is not, a, this is not something to take lightly. And it is an issue right now that's growing because the satanic church is growing. And in a long conversation I had with Pastor Brad Cummings today, I think we've kind of settled in on one of the reasons why. And I share this. I had this same conversation this evening with Pastor Dave Bryan, who is the pastor of Glad Tidings Church. And I think essentially what we're seeing here is there's a, especially with this new generation that has not had any exposure to a solid relationship in Christ and what the true power of the one God is, the supernatural God. They, they've been only exposed at best to the scriptural doctrinal God, which is very much about obedience and there's not a lot of life or incredible miracles, so to speak. The one thing that the satanic church is offering these people is ritual and manifestation of power. And this is something to really start to take to heart, to realize that the enemy takes their faith very seriously and arguably more seriously than most Christians. And their, their foundation, their church, so to speak, is growing. And it's with it comes enormous amounts of consequences from this. They are taking in some of these unwitting victims and they, or they're becoming victims because they're now becoming subject to the ritual abuses, which that, that includes everything from rape to torture rituals to just all sorts of demonic type activity that they're exposed to. And it's devastating on people. And so it's about time that we start to get our head around the fact that this is a very real spiritual war. Very real, in fact. I want to play a piece for you here. This is very interesting, dealing with child sex trafficking. And I think you can fill in the blanks about who and what store she is talking about. Um, but pay attention to this. This is about three minutes long. I think it's worth all of it to listen to a story and a recount of how easy it was to abduct a child. So I'm sure we've all heard about the WF conspiracy so far. And if you are not sure what I'm talking about, I'll go ahead and insert this clip. We all remember when WF was selling these cabinets, everybody went crazy across social media. We had people on both sides of the fence saying that these were children. Some people saying that people just needed to get a life. But let me show y'all this. So I'm over here doing research as I always do before I, I tell any information, I always do my research. And I stumble across a story that it seems like they're trying to bury. On September 8th of this year, a 14-year-old girl showed up to a hospital in Dallas, Texas, with her hands bound and her mouth gagged. She wasn't wearing any shoes. Uh, you could tell that she had been held somewhere for a period of time. I have blurred out this image only because I want to protect this minor. I'm not really sure why her picture was even posted in the first place. When the police arrived to the hospital to question the young girl about where she, you know, been, where she came from, the young girl gave them an interesting story. To protect myself, because it, again, I do believe they are trying to bury this story. I haven't seen it on any major news outlets. I will call the company Bergmark. So the young girl goes on to explain how she and one of her good friends were inside of Bergmark shopping. She had to go to the back of the store while her friend went to another area of the store and they were supposed to meet up at the registers. While she was shopping, a lady walked up to her and pushed one of these in her face and told her to smell this perfume. 
And the young girl, before she could protest, she did inhale whatever was on the strip and she began to lose consciousness. But not before she got to see someone who she stated had on the Bergmark um, attire or vest came and grabbed her and took her through the back of the Bergmark. She described how when she woke up, she was chained to other children inside of a dark basement. She then went on to describe how masked men came into the room and threw bags over each of the children's heads before they were transported via train to another location or another state. When they got the children to this second location, she stated that some things happened to her that I cannot say on TikTok. So I'll just say traumatizing. And then she was put on a live auction with other little children, y'all. Now, this is where it gets weird. The young girl is claiming that this company, Bergmark, who has a missing wall that everyone knows about when they walk into the store, there's a missing wall right there when you walk in. She's saying that they are using that wall as an auction list. I think we know enough about this game to believe that statement. I think there's enough circumstantial evidence around the entire event to say that what that woman just did in research and what was said is true. And this is, again, it's in our face. And they do it to mock us, and they do it to gain our compliance. We don't question what's there. And I don't know if you've ever taken time to go look at those walls I have and ask the questions of like, okay, what happened to these young girls? How did Walmart end up with the poster and it's not anywhere else? So it's something to really start asking some hard questions on. This is going to follow through with what I was talking about last night. And I'm going to go into some discussions tonight that I'm going to ask that you really listen carefully and not jump to conclusions, which tends to happen because I'm going to touch on some stuff that's going to be a little unsettling. And it's going to be a little unsettling even to hear it from the kind of the obligation that we have scripturally. Okay. So please listen to what I'm going to say. I've spent a lot of time in prayer this week. I've spent a lot of time doing some work today that was amazing to witness, but equally very heartfelt and painful to see the consequences of what SRA does to somebody. So let me begin with that. This is a young girl who was a bright and vibrant young girl. And this is testimony from her family that was active in the church, was a singer, had accepted Jesus, was a real important part of the church in her youth. Due to circumstances that she had no control over, a number of things happened with her life, violations of people that were she should have been able to trust that violated her at the deepest level of a young girl. And as she grew up, one of those people that violated her ended up being somebody that she was introduced to that ended up being part of a satanic cult. And he not only violated her, but then made her part of his rituals and part of her, his abuse. Today, this young girl arrived. She was unable to speak. She was unable to be touched. She would not allow anybody to touch her. And she was wanting to leave immediately didn't want to be there. She essentially has lost a lot of her function. She was in the honor roll of the school year after year. Her goal was to be in, to go and to get a degree in science. She, as you talk to somebody like this and you become aware of what we're dealing with, The SRA cult doesn't ever let go. And one of the things that they believe in 
And I don't know where you sit on this. I'm going to tell you what I witnessed today. And I'm going to tell you there's absolutely zero doubt that this is exactly what goes on in my mind anyway. They believe in astral projection and controlling people remotely, possessing them essentially. So by this, once they make the bond, which is a spiritual tether, and they do it through ritual abuse, they're then able to impact that person's life and open a gateway for other demonic forces to take take hold. We spent a good chunk of hours in prayer, um, working with her, working with her mother and family members. And what was amazing to witness was that by the end of hours, though it was completely rejected at the beginning, this young girl was able to agree to release the spiritual tether to the cult and to embrace and accept Jesus as her savior. Now that's just the beginning. This is a long process, but to see these things happen in the process at one particular point to witness the complete transformation of her eyes and face to a completely different person that just so happened to look just like the guy that raped her. You start to appreciate the power of these tethers and the power of control over these people's lives. The abuse of young children is rooted in a satanic belief that by traumatizing these young people, these young children... And by traumatizing them, what they're doing is they're building spiritual tethers. And that means they're controlled. And unless the person is walked through truly with the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and they have to be able to do it themselves, you can't do it, you can assist, but they have to be willing to make the step. They can be controlled and, and possessed. And it's not possession in the true sense. It's, it's, it's both the damage emotionally and spiritually. And then there is this other component, which SRA always includes, satanic ritual abuse, which is the ability to remotely have influence on a person, whether that's a constant tether or whether that's something that's specifically done. This type of work at one point was very common in the church. Anymore, this has been kind of cast aside as almost heretic by many churches. And that's exactly the problem, is because in this world where we are in, the satanic church understands this and understands that in their eyes, Christians have no faith or are so weak in their faith, they're worthless. And they're no match for what they have. Not because they don't fear, because they do fear the one God, but they truly believe that most Christians don't even know their God and don't have any idea who they are, and so they're easy rollovers. This all leads to the position of dominion in this world. In a spiritual realm, when you're dealing with straight demonic forces, there is a fairly direct process of casting them out, and that's pretty much through prayer, and through using the blood of Jesus and through breaking the contracts that may have been made through someone's life that opened the door for those demonic forces to take hold. But when you're dealing with the mortal life that we're in, those rules aren't as clear because a person has, can make the choice whether to accept Jesus or not. That doesn't mean they won't be accountable after death, but it means that during this life that we have, they have an enormous amount of ability, ability to call in and use these rituals to affect and destroy others. SRA is very common in California and Oregon. It's also, it's all over. It's in Texas. It's in every state, but it's very predominant in these regions, basically from Northern California to Portland. And that's in part because LaVey who was the founder of the satanic church, 
started the church about two and a half hours from where I'm currently at. LaVey is long dead. But the point being that the origins of that church were here in this area, and it was tied to a ritual. It was linked to one of the original Native American tribes that was used to sacrifice humans for their power. There can be, in these connections, ancestral ties, so you can inherit uh, burdens, demonic issues related from a mother to a daughter in a true pure bloodline. What we were dealing with today was basically an, a, um, it was created and what this young girl had to go through and the damage that has been done is amazing. The healing though that occurred within a span of this block of hours, which was steady and focused. It was uh, a tremendous amount of prayer and conversation and invoking Jesus and invoking the blood of Christ and casting things out and working with this individual to pull apart layers until they could finally, the real individual person inside could voice outward a bit to move from not being able to be touched to allowing her mother to at least touch her at the end to move from being having no control over certain things that she said or voices that she was hearing to having a stable place at the end we might call those things miracles they are the power of the supernatural god the one god and it's this power that we're going to have to embrace a, de- a great deal more as we move forward because this is a, a very real issue in our nation. Now, over this last week, I've gone, over the last few weeks, I've covered a long range of things. And to be clear, this is as God has led. And this journey has not been easy to talk about or work through, nor has it been easily received by many on this channel. Because what I've talked about as God has led, to be very clear, is a forgiving heart to walk in love and justice. And with that come the other issues of like righteousness. There is a, still remains a very big tendency. And even this week, as I talked about this, I was merging towards this more authoritative use of a metaphorical sort of steel to deal with this problem of pedophiles and child sex trafficking and child abduction, etc. And it's, it's left me with a very interesting process as I've worked with God through this week in this whole journey. And this is what I want to share tonight. Essentially, human beings, as much as we may think we are, we are not truly equipped to be fighting an enemy without first understanding the power of a forgiving heart and a loving heart. The problem is that in our lexicon of things and using those words, we immediately reject and assume that by forgiving and loving, we don't have justice. And that's an exact falsity within kingdom. I'm sharing with you truly the, the types of lessons and interactions that I've had with Father God and Jesus all this last month. So like I said, listen, you don't have to agree. Listen, please, and take it to prayer, as I always would say. But the reality is that if we are burdening, burdening our heart and cluttering our heart with vengeance or anger, which we will often mask and convince ourselves that this is righteousness, and there is, it is not, we're leading ourselves down a very dark path that the, that the demonic will seize and use and lead us in such a way that we will feel that we are doing a righteous act when in fact all we are doing is executing more blood ritual for the, for the demonic side. The one lesson that comes from Old Testament, which is very persistent, whether it's David or Gideon or Joshua, to name three, Moses was the same, is that when they placed themselves on that point of action, they were very clear and an understanding that they could not accomplish what they were going to do without 
God working through them and with them, that if they stood alone in the fight, that they would, it would be their last stand. In the context of those times, we have to actually look deeper as to their relationship with God because all things had the purpose and frame through the lens of God. In this time, just by nature of a material world consumed by so many ancillary things that have no effect or no interest in kingdom, we literally are having to retrain ourselves to walk within the Holy Spirit in all things and trust in God and even learn again many times what trust in God means. And that's where these two aspects of forgiveness in the heart and love come in because they are foundational. And they're foundational to the point that even when you're sitting like I was today with a team, it is very easy to want to engage a demonic influence with a burning desire to remove it, and that can quickly move to hatred if you have any of that in your heart, or anger, or even vengeance. Because of what you witness, its damage is done. And that's the trap again. This is a very, very fine weave and is truly the greatest test I think that we have as people as we move ahead. The pain and destruction that is done in the name of their satanic God has no limit. And in the end, what they know is they possess and control the individual soul. It's more like being a soul collector in a way. And the objective that we have to have is to free them. But in order to free them, we have to free ourselves and keep ourselves free. And that's the fundamentals of helping people through prayer or, as is known, deliverance work. You have to free yourself, keep yourself free, and then help others to be freed. That process requires that there is a clean heart that you're working from. That means forgiveness to unburden your heart from all things of influence. And that means as well, the anger and frustration, hatred, whatever you have fears related to say a predatorial sex person, someone who is like the satanic type that does these things. And these people are pure evil. And if you don't have that clarity in the heart, they are going to be able to leverage that against you especially some of these that are very well-schooled in this, they will find that nick in your armor and they will leverage it to weaken you and to bring you down. And it only takes a minute and a second to know whether it's true or not. They don't have a heart, any hesitation of looking you in the eye and telling you your faith is weak. And to say it with such authority that if it is weak, you will know. They are practiced in this sort of offensive spiritual attack. And for the most part, Christians are not. There isn't anything to say that at a certain point, there isn't justice to be delivered. There's a really good movie I was turned on to today by Pastor Brian. I was checking it out before the show, and I'm going to watch the whole thing tonight, but it's called Lonesome Dove. It's a Western. But the principle behind this, and the key issue is, There is this level piece of righteous justice that comes in there that is literally delivered in a physical form in this film. This has to do with cattle rustling and cowboys and a few other things. And not to give away the whole film, but that's essentially the framing of this. And so what we're dealing with right now is having to gain a certain clarity in the mission that we set. As I talked about last night, when we talk about the child sex trafficking issue, It's a very heavy issue, and it's one that provokes a great deal of emotional response. One of those things that it provokes is such intensity of their emotional response that people literally will retract and start praying and saying, Jesus, come and fix it. The question is, what are we really asking for when we have been given dominion over earth? Jesus was given dominion over heaven and earth, and man, the the sons of God, were given dominion over earth. So what are we asking and expecting? God will work through us, but we have a responsibility to address and fix these problems and to bring justice to this world. 
use with God working through us. That's a key thing. The frustration that most feel right now, and rightfully so, is that we are living in a world that has everything turned on its head. There is no justice in the system. There is no fairness in the system. And there is a system that is designed completely to exploit and to take us apart. And there lacks any version of trust between anybody in the system. That can either be a burden or the greatest gift. As a burden, it's because we rely on the system to solve our problems. As the greatest gift, we start to realize that the system of men is not going to solve those problems, and so we must turn to God to guide us. And that's the choice that I take, and I hope you will too. With that comes some fundamental frameworks to make that work. Again, I come back and pivot back to the forgiving heart and the loving heart that then opens up the clarity of how we move forward in justice. And it's important to realize that where we emotionally may desire to strike something down, there may be a reason that God stays our hand, a reason that we may not understand or may never understand, no matter what the circumstances. But nonetheless, the only way we are going to gain that clarity and avoid the pitfalls that the blood ritual cult wants, which is to have us slay each other ultimately and to inflict such deep damage spiritually and physically that we can't recover in ever being united in one body again. This week, in my own journey on this process, I allowed myself to walk back into an old way of being. I talked some about it last night, but I'm going to talk more about it now. That old way of being was the walk in Afghanistan. And it was the walk as well in other places that I've traveled and been. And it was the walk in a war zone where once you step into that place, you literally shut everything off. It doesn't matter what comes at you. It doesn't matter if someone tries to blow you up, shoot at you, runs at you with a bayonet. Your mission is clear. You survive, you engage the enemy, and you terminate ruthlessly. Period. End of story. And there's literally no emotion in it. It's simply a function in your life. That works very well in a trained military situation, but it's not something by design that is how the foundation of kingdom works, especially as we're trying to access the authority of kingdom and that authority of God through us. We have to be able to have a clear heart to be able to hear how God wants us to work and then have the righteousness but remain clear in thought of how things will execute. I told the story the other day, which I'll quickly recount, of my friend in on Delta Force, which is Special Operations Force Delta, who put himself on suspension. And in this process, he was engaging an individual who was coming down the stairs and he drew out of instinct and shot the individual between the eyes and stopped the attack and saved the team. And in doing so, put himself on suspension, which could have had him removed from the team permanently. He did so willfully and he did so on his own account without anybody asking. And when the team asked him why, his answer was, I reacted instinctively and I did not engage the target first to identify what it was. He understood that that was the rule that they followed. Essentially, in a much deeper way, that's what we're talking about here in working with God and kingdom. We don't teach a martial aspect of Christian faith. We don't teach a warrior aspect of Christian faith. In our churches. For the most part, our churches are waffling around loving everybody and forgiving everybody, but it's in such a sloppy way that it becomes a sappy soap opera that people are left powerless and they feel like nothing can be done. And it's for that reason that so many are walking away from the church because the church has no teeth, it has no action. There's never an understatement of the power of prayer. But we have to understand that there is also an accountability and a responsibility that we are involved in the justice of this land. But to get to that point, again, 
to unburden the heart and to clarify where we are to be able to connect more deeply with Father God. We have to have forgiveness in the heart. And that means unleavening the or lifting off the burdens that are placed on us by others' sins. When we say to forgive somebody, it isn't to release them from justice. And I know that I beat that down hard, but it's important because the comments that I keep seeing is people aren't getting that piece. That there is an absolute disconnect between the principles of forgiveness and people assume immediately that there is then no justice because in their mind, if justice does not equal equal pain or suffering, then it is not justice. And we, don't understand, we aren't appreciating that Father's justice is very different than ours. And as difficult as it is even for me at times to understand it, because I will share with you one of my prayers this morning, and it was this. As Father, it's very simple. I will deliver whatever message you ask me to deliver, even if that means enduring the times. And if that means that our message is to endure and do nothing, then give me the guidance to do so. But if I'm asked to speak of justice and forgiveness and a loving heart, then please understand that when we talk about a child being raped and talk about a forgiving heart and a loving heart, those two things don't sell well, nor do they equate well in my mind. And this is what I got back. It wasn't that he said that to not move forward. It was simply this, you're not ready. Because you haven't built the map. You haven't understood the depth of what the enemy is capable of and what the enemy is actually doing. You can't identify where your enemy is. You have to be clear. And in doing those things, you will then begin to understand where justice needs to be levied and where forgiveness is given in a broad spectrum to bring people home. But to get there, you have to forgive the anger, the pain, the suffering, all of those emotions on your own heart and turn them over to me. And you must engage the world with a loving heart. You are children in this fight against an enemy that's thousands of years old and experienced, and you're not equipped to go at it without first learning the process of forgiving in the heart and walking with love of kingdom. That's why I have said, turn your... Turn your burdens over to me and I will fight for you. That made a lot of sense to me. A tremendous amount of sense as I work through this week and have dealt with a lot of struggles on the extremes of what all this would be and how action would actually take form. So as I've walked through today and what I witnessed earlier today with someone who had literally gone through this Satanic ritual abuse, something that was actually a gift when I look backwards at the perfection of how Father has worked this message through me all for the last four to five weeks to push forward with the idea of forgiveness and a loving heart and justice and righteousness, to then arrive at a point of Balenciaga last Sunday, to then have to take a real-life situation and apply those concepts to something that was viscerally motivating and hatefully driven that stirred the passions in our heart of vengeance and to appreciate then what God was actually telling us to arrive today through this entire week to witness the consequence of something on the level of Balenciaga and then to understand finally that in order for him to work, in order for Christ to work through us to heal, in order for us to hear the direction that Father God gives us, We have to have a clean and unburdened heart. We have to have a forgiving heart. And we have to embrace what we have before us with love, as she needed lots of it. And there has to be a sternness and a firmness of understanding of what the consequences would be if those that are dealing with her would not let go. You see, Her satanic handler was in her today. He was talking to us today. And the point of mocking us because he didn't think any consequence would come. And that's when 
it was guided to share with him that if he did not cease, that our prayers would be invoked to cut the silver cord. To translate that in astral projection terms, if the silver cord is cut, the body dies instantly. That's justice. That's ruthless justice. And those, that was given as a direction we could proceed in if he would not let her go. God protects his children. He gives amazing latitude. He would very much want to save that individual in that satanic cult. But if he's going to continue to torment her, there comes a point when God will draw the line. Once that was given, that instruction was given to he who was possessing her. Not only did he retract, but she was able to renounce him and to accept Jesus as her Savior. I don't care how you cut that. That's a miracle of kingdom that happened before our very eyes. It defined an action that was capable within the power of what we do. And what it also mapped out is that we don't even understand yet how the satanic order works fully. We don't understand their rituals, though we're beginning to. We don't understand where they are, though we're beginning to find them. We don't have a map. As God said, you're not ready. For things like today, three of us to one, we were ready and we were victorious. But think about that. There's many victims like that out there. The damage that these people do is immense and it's life changing. And the work that it takes to get these people back is enormous. We do have a direction ahead of us. The work first begins with us. We must free ourselves first. And then we must keep ourselves free. And as we do that process, we have to be very realistic that we don't really know where our enemy is. We know some of the headlines. We hear some of the figures. But we don't have the hard data to understand Who's working at these stores that might abduct a girl to the back end? How did they get hired? What is the network within? Where do they go? Who handles them? Who's involved? That's intelligence mapping. And we have to start getting very clear on it. So when people say to me, There's, what do we do? That's where we begin. And when people say, well, how do I do that? It begins by fundamentally being situationally aware, starting to ask questions, starting to dig like we know how to dig, starting to put the grains of pieces together step by step to create the maps that ultimately start to show a network. And then to continue to share that with people you trust, to bring in more information and to build these maps out. And they have to be built locally because that's the one area that we can truly affect. And when we start to map out these networks locally and we start to build this understanding, we now begin to understand the action and God can guide us in the ways of justice. This last week and weeks have been transformational for me. And it's been a very difficult process this last week for me as I've had to work through that very narrow line between righteousness and vengeance. I think at times there's a perception that, and I know, well, I know this for fact with some comments that have been made, that somehow the warrior Scott has become soft. And it's quite to the contrary. The guy that walked in the plains of Afghanistan and put his foot in a pile of goo and has walked within the dead it's very well aware of what that walk is like. It's not one I wish to see on the homeland. But it's also given me a measure of wisdom to understand that to be in this type of fight we are now, the only way through this is through the wisdom of Father. As he guides, I must go. As he points, I must travel. And sometimes that doesn't always translate well to those with expectations of what they want to hear. But what I know is in this journey and what he's showing is 
something much greater in victory than what will be achieved through a trigger or a sword. And it isn't to say, and never has it been said, that those aren't tools that may be employed at a certain point. But they surely aren't the tools that we step off this walk with in this journey as we step forward and step into this fight. It has to be first and foremost within us to conquer the dominion within us, to set ourselves free. And that means free from the burdens of the past, burdens of the contracts that were intentionally or unintentionally made with demonic spirits to understand the mightiness of who we are and to begin to be able to call upon the authority of kingdom and walk within it. Once we start to get into that space, we start to touch the mightiness of what God is. As difficult as it is to watch these crimes and this pain, we have to keep in mind that Father God is greater than anything out here. He can heal beyond anything we can imagine. And part of this process now that we're enduring too is created by our own lack of action. There's a lot of burden we carry. The last thing we need to be doing is telling ourselves we're unworthy. But we do need to be lifting our hearts and forgiving the burdens that are upon them, turning them over to God for justice, and engaging this world with the power and glory of the love of kingdom. Then be listening closely. And we have to listen closely and learn to trust in his word and discern what's before us. And that's where we arrive, is in this process right now above everything else. We have to learn the true mastery of of discernment to know when to act and when to hold, when to be meek and when to be the mighty warrior of God. And in all of those things, we are mighty warriors, but it is the mastery of the warrior, warrior that allows us to now walk within a completely different space than we've ever walked before. There is a lot of pain in this world and it's escalating. The quote that I've stated so many times from the Irish prime minister, never will be, will so much be asked of so few, never will so much be asked by so many of so few. We're there. And we're there now. So patriots, I would encourage you to take a lot of this to prayer, to listen closely, and to hear what God leads you to do. We need to be building bridges and uniting. As you heard earlier, hopefully tonight in the interview with John Benzinger, and as other pastors are sharing the same thing, we have to break outside of our righteousness within our own faith. This is a war that's going to require a unity in humanity. And not everybody is going to walk with Jesus. And that's okay. Because if we're walking on the same path towards the same end, it's a great opportunity along the way to bring so many to Jesus. And that's exactly the point. We are a remnant that has to be able to lead the many. And with that, we have to dig deep into what the supernatural God is and what he delivers. We have to dig deep into what it is to be trusting in the power of the supernatural God to guide us. And we have to be listening closely. And we have to challenge ourselves to be greater than just being human. We're spiritual beings within a human shell. The temple that God gave us to steward. Now we have to bring the two worlds together. And as we move towards that level of accomplishment, an entirely new level of operational effectiveness opens up before us. We become the great men and women of God. Let us pray. Father, this week we have walked a path which has been challenging on so many levels. A path that has opened our eyes so deeply to the pain that is around us that screams out in silence where we can't hear, and yet it suffers brutally. It's the pain of the children. 
Father, these scars that are put upon them are deep, and the wounds score deep into their soul. And it takes truly the blood of Jesus to even heal them. And even then, the healing is slow. So, Father, tonight, as we humbly place ourselves before you, we pray for the power of healing. We pray for the power to cast out demons. We pray for the desire to do so and to get there to understand that we have to have a forgiving heart and to walk in the power of love. These concepts are so twisted in our world and they evoke so much mixed reaction. And we just pray that the wisdom of what those words are will settle in on people's hearts. The resources needed for them to move forward in this space will be provided. And the, the comfort and strength that comes from those words will take hold deep within the heart. This is a time when the mighty men of God and the mighty women of God must rise, Father. And to get there, we must all seek a forgiving heart and a path of love to where there the true power of kingdom and justice flows through us. Guide us in these times, Father, as we make a big step, a step to go beyond what we may think even possible, but to become greater in you and greater in the body of Christ, to then walk in this world to truly achieve dominion over this evil. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So much can be done in prayer. Again, it begins within our own heart. So, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night for peace be still. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Get back in my body Okay.